When he sees me, he pulls his right earphone out without breaking his stroke. How's it going, Jim? I ask. Feels like good rowing conditions, but the mileage isn't great. I think there's a current. We've done three miles. Is it hot in the cabin? The water is flat. There is a momentary hint of movement in the air, then it is still again. I shield the GPS monitor from the glare of the sun and look at the current speed and bearing and our remaining miles to destination. The monitor tells me that Antigua is 1,011 nautical miles away. It's really hot in the cabin. There's just no breeze at all. How's your bum? Bum's okay. PVK's lube is working well. But I'm having problems with my crotch. I nod but I'm short of anything helpful to say. Jimmy has been working through the medical kit, looking for solutions to his crotch chafing. He has also been cutting his seat padding into smaller and smaller pieces to try and reduce the rubbing. Ready when you are, I say. Let's do it. I lean through the hatch, take Jimmy's water bottle and pass him mine. Then he hands me his seat padding. It consists of three layers of dense foam and a neoprene rowing seat pad held together with Velcro strips. This padding sandwich is topped with a wool cover, which is thick with pseudocream and Vaseline. I lay Jimmy's seat padding in the cabin and hand him mine, which he places on the wooden seat. Then he gets up and moves down the starboard side of the deck, while at the same time I move up the port side. We are well practiced, and in a few moments we have swapped places. Jimmy is standing in the footwell inside the main hatch, and I am sitting in the bow rowing position, adjusting the footstraps around my crocs. We have performed this routine every two hours for the last 47 days. 1. The American Dream, 1896 on a crisp January morning in 1883, Howard Blackburn and Tom Welch stepped off their schooner and into a 12-foot fishing dory. After a week of fishing by the Grand Banks off the coast of Newfoundland, the schooner's hold was almost full, and soon she would be making the journey back to the busy fish market in Gloucester, Massachusetts. While Welch pulled in and rebaited the cod lines, Blackburn sat at the oars, keeping the dory clear of drifting sea ice. All the while, the pair chatted about how they would spend their wages back on dry land. That afternoon, Blackburn and Welch missed the telltale signs of an approaching winter storm, and while the more experienced crews cut their day short and returned to the schooner, the young dorymen worked on. Soon the storm was upon them, accompanied by a thick, disorientating mist. Separated from the safety of the schooner, there was nothing they could do but spend the night bailing and knocking off the ice that was forming around the hull and threatening to sink their little boat. When dawn came and the weather finally cleared, Blackburn and Welch took to the oars and made for Newfoundland. But on the second day, Welch stopped rowing, lay down in the bottom of the boat in despair, and died. Blackburn continued to row, and after five days with no food, water, or sleep, he carried Welch's frozen body ashore. Blackburn had lost all his fingers and thumbs and most of his toes to frostbite. Blackburn's story was the talk of the town when George Harbo arrived in the New Jersey fishing village of Nauvoo 
The stocky young Norwegian had just landed on a steamer from Breivik, where he had studied at nautical school. Norway had a proud naval tradition, once boasting the third largest merchant fleet in the world after Britain and America. But she'd been left behind in the race to build bigger and faster steam vessels, and now the fleet transported only low-margin bulk commodities. Demand for Norwegian timber and fish was also in decline, and over the last twenty years, a fifth of Norway's population had emigrated in search of a better life. By contrast, a million people were arriving in America every year, looking for that better life. The country was rapidly industrializing, jobs were plentiful and land was cheap. From the old world of Europe, America was seen as a land of opportunity. Many of the Norwegians who arrived in New York made their home in the New Jersey fishing communities just across the...